we don't feel capable. So we feel fear or worry or overwhelm or frustration. And we oftentimes feel victims to our emotions, right? They surge up and we don't know maybe where they came from or we believe them. Like, oh my gosh, I feel Ooh, overwhelmed. So amen. it must be true. It must be true. I must not yeah. be capable, right? And so I think as we talk about, hey, I want my children to be emotionally intelligent. I want them to be emotionally mature. How amazing is it as parents to be able to step into more emotional maturity by working through some of these things that come up? You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast where we shift your WTF moments into WTL moments and learn together how to transform your life and relationships through social-emotional learning. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, social-emotional learning experts and the co-founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. In each episode, we'll explore the five competencies of SEL, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making, and share practical tips, stories, and strategies for building these skills in ourselves and others. Whether you're a parent, educator, or just looking to improve your own social-emotional well-being, this podcast is for you. Join us as we navigate the exciting and sometimes challenging world of SEL and discover the power that emotional intelligence has to transform our lives and communities. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. You usually get two lovely voices with our podcast, but in real time, Jill and I are learning what it means to divide and conquer. We love for you to learn from us in all of our WTF moments. And today, the schedule called for us to be two places at once and She took one route and I took the other. So it's going to be me and this wonderful guest that we have on the show today. And if you've been a longtime listener, you know exactly what I just said. We really strive to take what we've learned in our lives from all of our WTF moments. And we try to flip that on its head and make sure that we've learned a lesson from them. And this guest that we have today has had several opportunities to do that because she is the mom of six kiddos. And you heard me right. One, two, three, four, five, six children. I think she said in within the time span of eight years as well, which I will let her expand on that. But if you are not driving, please put your hands together and welcome (laughs) Miss Andy Martineau to the show. She is a parent coach, which we've had a few parent coaches on the show before, and those are some of our most popular popular episodes, which rightfully so this whole thing, this whole parenting gig, it takes love and support in order to feel like you're doing a good enough job at raising this next generation of leaders. So Andy, welcome. Thank you for having me on Mary. I'm excited to dive in. I'm excited to talk about what it looks like to be a parent or to just be supporting children, teens in their journey and moving forward in a different way that really honors these humans and their emotions and all of the things that go into being a successful human. And yes, you're right. I had six and eight years, which was completely crazy. I don't don't recommend it to anyone. (laughs) No, I just, I'm just kidding. No, it's it's just chaos when they're little, they're older now. So now, now they're 14 to 23 and amazing. But you know, my last two were a year and five days apart, which is really close. And it was really, really chaotic. And I, 
I think all of the parents listening or those who are helping, you know, children in, in one way or the other teachers have this moment where it's a pressure cooker and all of a sudden, you know, something hits the fan. I love how you say that your WTF moment, you know, this, this moment that <laughs> helps you see, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. And I have two directions I could take the old way, you know, or this, maybe this other way that I'm catching a glimpse of. And yeah, I, I love that. We're going to talk about all of that kind of stuff here and just really explore what it looks like to support the youth, you know, support our children. Yeah. And I mean, you bring up something great right off the bat, right? I'm sure you're your own best science experiment and having six kids in eight years sounds like a science project in and of itself to learn best practices and habits and things that you have to really implement into your life in order to be successful, not only for yourself, but for them as well. And I love thinking of really honing in on our habits and what helps us be the best versions of ourselves because in a pressure cooker situation, you revert back to your habits. So what are those? Are they healthy? Are they unhealthy? Are they serving you? Are they not serving you? Because obviously monkey see monkey do things are caught. They're not taught. So they're watching you respond to these situations and being frazzled and dazzled and all of these things. So I love that you, you bring that up. You could take one way or you could try something else completely. And before we even hit record today, we were talking about how aligned our work really is in terms of what you do and what Jill and I do. So will you dive a little bit deeper right now in terms of your title and what it means to be a parent coach? Yeah, I will. So a parent coach is a really interesting name. It was hard for me to take it on at first because I don't want anybody to think that by saying I'm a parent coach, I have it all figured out because all humans, right? We're in this process of learning and growing and being able to have the knowledge to know better and then to be able to translate it into actually doing better. So I love the process, the journey that it's been on to look at parenting from a different lens and apply it in my own life, you know, imperfectly, but beautifully imperfect. Right? <laughs> and then also be able to help other parents take this more developmental approach, this more honoring the emotions, honoring the nervous system and really understanding what is behavior. What are emotions? How do we help our children so that they don't grow up with mixed messages or maybe incorrect messages about what it means when they have their moments where they're not doing their best, you know? And so I love the work I do. I love helping parents see it from a different perspective than maybe as a society we've traditionally thought of parenting as you know, discipline, but really parenting right. is about helping our children fulfill their potential and learning how to create an environment where that's possible, where when we need to set limits, when we need to just cry with them, you know, all of the right. different components that come along with that. So that's the work I do. I absolutely love it. It's transformational. So similar to the work you do, right? Where we're helping grow them up emotionally, become resilient, you know, be able to navigate yeah, life yeah. in a way that will really serve them and help them go where they want to go. So that is the work well, I do. I absolutely love it. It's awesome. 
every different stage, we need support, right? As individuals, we should have coaches. Like we think of coaches mm -hmm. being only for athletes or teams of sorts, right? It's a head coach. And that's exactly the way we paint it for our girls. It's like, have you had a tennis coach? Have you had a volleyball coach? Mm -hmm. Have yes. you played basketball? And if you've said yes, like consider us that, like we're practicing here in order for you to have the skills to go out and play the game of life and play the game of life well. And well doesn't mean you're winning. Well doesn't mean you're losing, but well means you're rolling with the punches and you're learning along the way, right? You're learning what you're bad at in order to find what you're good yes. at. And I'm sure my audience at this point is sick of hearing it, but I always love to say we're not actually raising kids, right? We're raising mm. adults. I love so that. Your support in that is incredible. I also want to point out that you said almost like imposter syndrome, like you didn't want to take on that title at first. Not at first. It was so hard. Yeah. yeah it was so hard to own that, you know, to think that. Yeah. I, I resonate so much with that because I coach parents in the work that we do, right? We'll teach yeah. a lesson to a girl and then we have to translate that over to mom and dad. I don't have kids. I'm 35 years old. So there's been plenty of instances within this journey that have made me feel less than in terms of the question, which is who am I to be telling you what's best for your family or your kids? And it's really cool to be able to like work through that and get over it mm -hmm. because the mission and the purpose is so much bigger than the imposter syndrome because my experience has led me to want to do this work. My very real lived experience and with six kids, I can imagine that that was exactly the reason that you wanted to get into this work as well. Yes. Yeah, it really was. And what I find too, is my journey of overcoming imposter syndrome. I'm realizing that's helping parents overcome imposter syndrome because a lot of parents, I don't know if you would agree, but a lot of parents I work with, they have lost the belief, you know, they come home from the hospital and, you know, they might not be sure how to do all the baby stuff, but they feel confident they can figure it out. But as the kids yeah. get older, especially as they hit teenagers, a lot of them lose the confidence in themselves that they can be the parent that they wanted to be or that their child needs to be. And so I love bringing up the topic of imposter syndrome because all humans at some point, we're going to face it. And it's really important that we don't believe it because if we believe it, we will not be able to have the confidence in ourselves to learn what we need to learn to do the job that I think for parents, at least that's one of the most important jobs they ever will do or ever have wanted to do is to be a parent. So they want to be successful. And it's really hard to be successful if you don't believe in yourself or believe at least in your ability to figure it out. And so I'm sure you can translate that, you know, into when you're working with parents to helping them believe in themselves. You know, you've learned how to believe in yourself in different roles and they need to do the same thing too. So that's an important thing to think about and not to be thinking there's something wrong with you just because you have it. Oh. It's normal. It's normal, everyone. There's nothing wrong it with is. us it's... that we believe in. Everyone does it. I think even, I don't even think this, I know this based on podcasts and books and listening to people who have worked with high achieving, really successful corporate C-level executives around yes. the number one thing that gets in their way is imposter syndrome. It's not having yes. the confidence in their ability to move to the next level or, or whatever it is. And I love the call out around, you know, the most important thing that you might do in this world is not necessarily an accomplishment in terms of a goal you set. It's 
likely who you end up raising because yes. this next generation, and, and this has been the case with every generation, these are our world changers, right? These are our policymakers and our change makers and our lawyers and our doctors. So in order to set them up for the most amount of success, we have to be able to get out of our own way. And we have to be able to receive guidance and help from people who have gone before us and are willing to reach their hand back and say, I fell in the same places you're falling. I didn't want to get back up. And here's how I overcame those obstacles. Yeah. That's just perfect. Yeah. And the, and it's the emotional response, I think, too, that sometimes gets in our way of we don't feel capable. So we feel fear or worry or overwhelm or frustration. And we oftentimes feel victims to our emotions, right? They surge up and we don't know maybe where they came from or we believe them. Like, oh my gosh, I feel Ooh, overwhelmed. So amen. it must be true. It must be true. I must not yeah. be capable. Right. And so I think as we talk about, hey, I want my children to be emotionally intelligent. I want them to be emotionally mature. How amazing is it as parents to be able to step into more emotional maturity by working through some of these things that come up as we're being a parent, you know, and looking yeah. and working through them and feeling the emotions and understanding how do I actually feel an emotion and what is this teaching me and how do I move through it so that I can help my child when they're overwhelmed about something or feeling, you know, disappointed or frustrated, you know, so it's really important. The emotional component that's linked with this, you know, this is one example we could bring up a bunch, but yeah. Oh gosh. And I love, I love how this has changed because every generation I think has a gripe with the generation before them or things that their parents may have done right or wrong. There's usually like mm -hmm. a collective opinion on that. And I am a later millennial and I feel like my parents' generation lacked the understanding of emotion because their parents had no idea what that even meant, looked like it was get up, go to work, bring home food for the family, make sure everyone survives. Fast forward to 2023, emotion is it. Like we are in a day and age where our Gen Zers are fully 100% okay talking about their emotions and bringing up how they feel and they want to do something about it. And that can be triggering to people, especially I think in my generation who mm -hmm. were not allotted that same grace. They weren't given yes. that space to talk about it. So I love that we're in the conversation and we're in the work around pairing an emotion and figuring it out and working through it because you're right. Again, it's back to the notion of hot, not taught. I was mm -hmm. listening to a Mel Robbins podcast with the late Dave Hollis and they were talking about her two daughters and she was in the middle of taking a selfie with one of them and they looked at it and I think the daughter said, Ugh, like, I, I want to delete that. And uh -huh. Mel said, well, what? You're beautiful. I tell you, you're beautiful every single day. Why would you want to delete this picture? It's gorgeous. And the daughter looked at her and she said, how am I supposed to believe what you say to me when you tear yourself down every day? Mm. And I... I was like, it was such a light bulb moment because, right, like we can turn around and say things to our kids and act a completely different way to ourselves. And they're witnessing both things. So, what are they to believe? Right. They won't believe what we say, they'll believe what we do or who we're being right. or what we are. We can't fake it. And that's why it's so important that we learn 
how to navigate this whole emotional thing ourselves. We just, we can't just teach. We have to know. It's like a math teacher trying to teach algebra. If they don't understand it, it just won't work. And so I love that it's coming up because I think it's so much more healthy. I understand also why past generations weren't there and there's no judgment, right? But it's, but the evidence is there. I mean, there's books like the body keeps the score, right? Like that's showing us evidence of how, emotions are stored in our body, how that creates the trauma and the nervous system reactions. And I love having that information because then I can do something with it. I think part of the reason our parents couldn't do anything or our grandparents couldn't do anything is they just, they weren't having these conversations. They probably were more in survival. They had to just get out there and earn the money or make sure there was a roof over their children's head and surviving from, you know, wars and stuff. Like there was real things going on that made it harder. And I'm so grateful that now we're in a place where we can open up to that and realize that all emotions are allowed. I even love saying there's really no such thing as a negative or a positive emotion. I mean, we still can label them that way, but all emotions have the capacity to move us forward. If we'll just get curious about them instead of judge them. And so I love teaching my kids that, and that they're not their emotions. In English, we say, I am frustrated, which feels very defining. Like I am frustrated, (laughs) but in French, if it's translated into English, I have frustration. It's so much clearer what's actually happening is there's an emotion moving through me because of an experience I'm having. Let me just look at those things instead of identifying with the emotion. And that seems to be more what the conversation's coming to. But I think you know parents have to adopt that and really have to believe that so that they can teach their kids. And then it just kind of goes from there where we continue to up-level our yeah. ability to be you know, fully human. And it's such a simple, 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 simple. I want to drive that home because simple does not mean easy. It is such a simple perspective shift, a such a simple shift in language, right? I am versus I have. It's one word. It's two extra letters to say. But working with parents, obviously what you just said in, in terms of the body keeps score, habits are really, really difficult to break, right? Programming is something that is ingrained in us from a very young age and we continue to do it because it's easy. It's easy to continue to do something that you've done forever. So in your work, will you just take us into like a client meeting? Like you're meeting somebody for the first time. What are their major complaints, issues, and then drag it out like 10 weeks. What What's the change that you see and how difficult is it to get people to get to that 10-week period? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's even evolved from when I first started to now because I think there's maybe I'm more clearly articulating what parenting is or what's happening with the kids. So people are, but people still come and think it's behavior. The behavior of my kids needs to switch. That's what's causing me frustration. And that's what I need to look at. You know, if I fix the kids' behavior, then everything would be better. If they weren't, had such bad attitudes or if they did their homework, if their room was clean. And when I sit with a client the first time, if that's what they're presenting to me or some version of that, I really honor that that's where they're they're at and really truly just... I'm so appreciative and and really honored that they're coming and being vulnerable because talking about parenting is one of the, I I think it's one of the most vulnerable things to talk about to, to really say, Hey, I want help with this. This isn't working for me. And this is a, you know, there's a lot of shame and blame that parents take on. So they might come saying it's the kids, but 
there's also usually a twinge, especially with moms of, oh my gosh, I failed. Something's messed up, right? I'm not doing my job. And as we move along, what I try to help them see is like, let's start with, instead of focusing on the kid's behavior, and we do want to understand that, and we want to understand what's beyond the behavior, the nervous system triggers the the child's you know emotional state all of those things that are behind the behavior that are motivating it that are fueling it let's also take a look at the parent because conscious parenting connective parenting peaceful parenting there's lots of names for it is really about inspecting our own stuff as parents like what is causing me to flip out when the house is messy and maybe there's a story I can trace it back to my parents, maybe were really particular and I got in trouble a lot for that. So I, it's flaring up or maybe there's not, but regardless, let me look at why I might be reacting this way. What I'm making it mean about my kids, what I'm making it mean about me. And when we start to Mm -hmm. understand our own behavior and our own thoughts as a parent, we're able to leave so much more room for our children, which then just, it creates a different energy. It doesn't mean we don't get the house clean or the kids don't do their homework. It's not about being passive, but it's about being more compassionate and firm without the judgment, a lot more curiosity. So parents usually are dropping into a lot more questions like, okay, they may have used to think like, why is he so selfish or why won't he clean his room? And now they're able to pull up questions that are more along the lines of, I wonder what is going on that would cause him to act like that. Or I wonder why he's so concerned when his brother touches him or something, you know, they're able to drop more into curiosity instead of to criticism and think about how can I help or what could I do to make things a little bit easier? It's not about taking away all of the child's responsibility in the, in the situation, but like, what could I do to make it a little bit easier? Cause they're really triggered right now so that we can work through this and then, you know, continue to iterate on it later. So there's a lot more ownership of how do I get my kids to want to listen versus how do I just get them to listen? Like, I want them to want to listen to me. I want them to choose me as their person of influence and that they care what my opinion is. And they won't do that perfectly, but that's their foundation. And, And it's a really beautiful transition to see parents take that ownership, calm down, handle things with more compassion and confidence. And the children they resonate, they feel that difference, that, that lack of judgment. And that's, you know, curiosity has now stepped in and it makes a difference. And all of a sudden things start switching. It's a same team mentality. It's not, I'm your superior. It's you're my teammate. And I think that that is such a shift when a kid can understand that we're trying to move this whole thing forward together. Not I'm doing the dishes because I'm your slave, basically, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can start butting heads when it feels like there's a power play. And I don't want to mince my words in that. I don't want, yes, the parent is the head of the household. The parent is running the ship. However, you can go a lot further, a lot faster when the goal is the same. So when Mm -hmm. we speak the same language, I love the getting curious versus getting critical. That's such an incredible way to look at it. It's like, cause how easy is it for us to have that reaction and be pissed off as opposed to 
taking the extra time to formulate a few questions and inquire further around why the behavior is happening. Because I think at the end of the day, that's all we want as humans, regardless of how old you are, it's to be seen, it's to be heard, and it's to be valued. So I love that. We get a lot of the same inquiries like fix her. She is this. It is her behavior. She is one way or the other. And I it's selfish versus self-seeking. We often Mm -hmm. ask parents to try. I know it's it's difficult because we've lived so much more life and had so much more experience that we tend to forget what it was like to feel something for the first time or to have an emotion pop up for the first time. But it's like you have 14 year olds at home. They experience emotions and things for the first time and it's overwhelming and they don't know how to respond or react, but we as the parents do. So instead of immediately pegging it as they're being selfish, they're in their own world because they're figuring out what it's like to be in that world. Yes. Yeah. I love that, that reframe. It really is so much yeah. more empowering. It really helps us show up better. It gives us such a better chance too, that they're going to open up to us. We're going to get them where they want. We want them to be so much faster if we are on the yeah. same page, collaborating, you know, that honest collaboration instead of taking that one up position of I'm better than you. Cause that's what happens when we start judging, right? It's, it's like, I know better. You're doing the wrong thing. You should be doing something better instead of understanding and being collaborative, which is what you were describing, which is the goal. It makes a difference. Yeah. Sure. So I would love to know based on personal experience, what were some of the hardest ages for you? So you said your oldest was 23. Yes. Yeah. So you've spanned 23. You have a 14 year old at home now. What were some of the most challenging ages for you to be able to work through? And not that they're not challenging now. I know they are. You you might be a parenting coach, but you're still a parent, which means you I'm don't necessarily <laughs> probably coach your kids. So <laughs> what have been some of the biggest things that you've been like, oh, my God, are we going to make it through this? Yeah. You know, I can remember back when they were little and I've read studies now that say toddlers are the most violent that's the most violent age of the human is the toddler stage. And it's <laughs> just because amazing. there's unbridled emotion, unbridled right. everything, you know, it's just everything. <laughs> they, they're, they're one emotion driver. So they can only, they're so focused, you know, on whatever it is, frustration or, or excitement, you know, it's beautiful to see a toddler get excited about their birthday. Cause they're so enraptured with it, but they also can be so mad that someone took their toy that they are so angry about it. So I think <laughs> at that stage, I mean, every stage I, I could pick out, you know, things that are hard, but I remember that was really jolting as a new parent. It was my first slap in the face of, oh my gosh, these are some big emotions. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to try to squelch them? Are you going to try to make them feel terrible about it? Are you going to let them cry? And if you let them cry, is that enabling them? And, you know, we could talk about this and put it really apply it to teens and even, you know, all the different teens, but it was that dilemma of how do I deal with multiple children with really big emotions and, and help them use that to grow them up instead of just to keep them stuck. And this is what I was learning at the time. And I was trying to learn and apply, learn and apply. And it's, it's tricky because that takes a little, there's a little uh, yeah. delay between knowing and doing sometimes, at least in my brain, but for most humans, we can know, but to really embody, it takes a little bit of time. And so to realize, oh, if I can let them feel the whole 
mad to sad cycle. You know, they're really, really upset to, okay, you're not going to give me a cookie. You know, I'm going <laughs> to surrender and be really sad. Yeah. The science helped me have comfort that, oh, if I can let them do that without making them feel bad or trying to cut it short, then their brain actually grows up. And they've done scans of the brain where they show the growth of the different parts and different, you know, different ages where it's really growing and maturing. And that's that emotional intelligence is becoming more robust because they're actually able to experience the emotion. And so it's hard to remember in the moment because usually our bodies are screaming, stop screaming. You know, I just want you to stop crying. Please stop. This is right. so uncomfortable for me as the parent. But if we can remember, and this is what I was trying to tell myself when my kids were, you know, at different ages, I've actually could say, you know, this has happened as a teen teenagers too, but to give them space and to remind myself all emotions are allowed. And that doesn't mean all behavior is allowed, but like, let's allow the free mm. expression. Let's allow the brain to grow up. Let's use that, you know, emotion is the fuel to maturation. Like, let me believe that. Let me trust that, even though that may not have been the way it was maybe seen when I was a child and my parents were wonderful. Right. So it wasn't that they didn't want that. They just didn't have maybe all the, the science, like really that I needed. I'm a nurse by background. So it's like, I want the science and the data to prove to me that this will work. And so once I collected that, I was really able to practice it, but it was, it was challenging. And as they get older, when I've had some teenagers that have really struggled with their emotions, just personally to keep reminding them just because you're feeling this way, or just because maybe you actually did lash out and say something mean, that doesn't mean you're a mean person. That just means you were having an emotional reaction. You know, you were just having an emotional reaction. You are not mean. You were just frustrated. Let's separate those two things. Cause I really want my kids and the moms I work with. And I think this is like, you could say yes to is I want them to feel whole, complete, lovable. And that does not mean they're perfect. And for moms too, we, we are whole and complete and lovable. And if someone's having trouble loving us, it's because their ability to love is low, not because I'm not very lovable. We're right? not it's, lovable. It's a, yeah, I, I'm lovable. And I might be harder to love some days, but I'm always lovable. And someone else's ability to love me, even when I'm struggling, that's a skill they can develop. And it's just a beautiful thing to see a child start to play around with the idea when friends or cousins or neighbors or siblings have said, you're so mean to have them start to say, I don't want to be like that again, but I'm not a mean person. I'm just, I did a mean thing, but that's not me. Or yeah. I felt this way, but that's not me. So yeah. It's I guess the, navigating the emotions. Thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Critical thinking. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. Cause that example literally can be applied to every different developmental age. It mm -hmm. happens while they're toddlers. It happens when yeah. they're tweens. It happens when they're teens. It happens now in adult right. years. Right. Like just allowing it to flow and asking questions about how it's serving us in the moment. And right. you might not get that answer in the moment, but you can look back and say, oh my gosh, your example, like I did a mean thing. I didn't like how that made me feel, but it didn't define who I was at yeah. all. I'm not a mean person. Yes. Very different. Very different. Yeah. Well, and I, I love that this conversation has encompassed just small tweaks in the way we receive information and then the way that we put it out into the world, right? It's the one change in I am frustrated versus I have frustrations. We we love to say this to our girls, right? In terms of their characteristics and their personality traits, teens can be 
super manipulative. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, that is what it is. They like to test authority. They like to push boundaries. They like to see if they can get one over on mom or dad by telling a little white lie. And then that lie turns into something bigger. That's a manipulative quality. And all qualities are neutral. So if you're good at manipulating, how can you manipulate for the good, right? How can we use that quality that you have and use it in a healthy manner? How do you then become a lawyer or a lobbyist and you sway people one way or the the other for a good cause? Jill and I talk about the fact that we in school were, we got in trouble every day. It felt like every day (laughs) that we got in trouble because we were talkative. It's fitting that we have a podcast now because we can just talk freely, but it was always a Mary, go to the principal's office. This is your third warning. Like I I can't tell you anymore to not. And I agree. There could have been much better ways for me to handle or get an outlet or or whatever, but I was never actually told that my ability to talk or mm-hmm. express myself were were leadership qualities, right? Yeah. So I always internalized my ability to be chatty Kathy as bad. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and there were several instances where I'm sure I quieted my voice because I didn't want to get in trouble or get judged. So I love being able to give that freedom to girls in terms of seeing themselves as capable of going one way or the other. And with what you do with parents, it sounds like you're able to give them that freedom as well, which is so cool because we can't do the work we do without people like you as well. If we teach girls what we teach them in the hour or the week that we have them and we send them home to a household that doesn't reinforce what we taught them in our workshops Mm -hmm. and camps, the work falls on deaf ears. And that's frustrating because they can see a glimmer. They see freedom. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that I didn't have to take people's opinions of me for truth. I didn't know that every thought that I had wasn't real see it and then they go home and they fall back into those habits. So with the work you do, how do parents get involved? What's the way that people work with you? Is it near? Is it far? Is it online? Is it in person? Yeah, that's a great question. Online. And I have two different ways. Some one-on-one clients that I just meet with every week and they want a deep dive and they want accountability and lots of, you know, self-confronting. And then I have a nice group of moms that come together and we meet as a group and they learn to be vulnerable and honest with each other and go through training and live coaching and have a community support system where they can really dive in on this work and not feel alone. You know, so many times they think I'm the only one doing this or I'm the only screw up mom or they're, you know, they've been ashamed of what's happened and shame does really well in dark corners where we don't share it. So to get out and just say, Hey, this is what's happening for me. These are my struggles. These are the things I'm working through. I have other moms come on and say me too, or I get it. I've been there. It's so beautiful to have that support and that community of, of other moms that are, that are doing the same thing and trying to learn the same you know, the same way of parenting from a place of connection instead of from a place of correction. Oh, and community is is such a beautiful thing for so many reasons. And one of the biggest is it puts the onus on other people as well. So you don't have to be the expert in every single instance. They don't have to come to you and be like, Andy, I'm having this problem. Help me fix yeah. this. They yes. can share it around the the community of peers that 
you've helped cultivate before necessarily coming to you with, with the issue and other people can jump in and help solve the problem before it even gets to you. Because like you said, they've experienced it. They've walked down the same road. They're in the same work. And I love the notion of being an expert because really you just have to be one or two steps ahead of somebody else in order to help. So what you've done is be one or two steps ahead of the moms in your group and allowed them to take the same path in order to then also help, which is incredible because then you, you create a collective, a collective of women who just want to see the average rise. Yeah. It's like a mastermind almost, right? We're all just supporting each other, growing this bigger and bigger and getting the message that we're both sharing out to more and more people, which is what really matters. Yeah. If people aren't at the level of wanting to work with you yet, you also somehow in between having six kids wrote a book. Will you talk a little bit more about your book? Yes. I would love people to go check it out on Amazon because it, it really is a beautiful way for them to get familiar with what I call connect method parenting, which is what I've been describing in this whole conversation of just really coming to parenting from a place of connection is is the most important parenting tool I have, which allows us to have the collaboration and the trust and where they get to really choose us to be their quote unquote leader, you know, where they're the ones that they want us to trust or they trust us rather. And so throughout the book, we, I talk about the emotions that we've talked a lot about the power of emotions, what's going on with emotions. I talk about behavior, what's really going on with behavior, how to become more aware of what we're thinking so that we can become Mm -hmm more compassionate towards ourselves, which allows us to become more compassionate towards what our kids are going through their big emotions. It's really a self study guide, right? Like take, take it. And if you want to just take that and apply it and you're able to implement that, it's a beautiful tool. It was written with that intent of you just being able to take the information and, and applying it in a way that really will serve you to change the the perspective, you know, from a place of correction, behavioral modification to a place of, oh, it's about connection and and igniting their intrinsic motivation and really being a partner with them. Mm, That's that's incredible. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know how I fit it in here. It was the hardest thing ever to do, but it was so worth it to just get all of that into a format that anybody could just go get off Amazon. So it's just called Connect Method Parenting too, if anybody wants to go check it out. Well, no, that's, it's incredible. And I can imagine writing a book is also very confronting, right? You have to deal with your own demons. So you really got to put your methods to the test in terms of getting over your imposter syndrome and being the example for your kids. So bravo for birthing really a seventh child in terms of what, what that's (laughs) done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll make sure that that is in the show notes as well as your social media and website. So people can check you out. And if this episode resonated the way that I know it's going to, people can seek out your services and look for that extra support. One final question that we ask all of our guests being that this name, this podcast is named WTL. One quick pack a punch, a sentence or less, your greatest WTF moment. What was it? And how did you turn it into the greatest lesson that you'll probably ever learn? Yeah, it was a moment when my kids were little. They had taken a big old thing of baby powder and doused our playroom oh. and it looked like a blizzard. And I flipped, <laughs> I flipped my lid. I was just so out of control. And I remember I, it took me a while to deconstruct this, to reverse engineer it, but to figure out what had happened. And it's now one of my favorite 
things to apply to any situation is to, to get curious and to really ask myself, okay, what worked about that situation, which in that case, I think <laughs> very much worked, but like what didn't work. And then what am I going to do differently next time? And being able to get curious about any situation that we are in. And this was, it felt really big at the time. It was a, it was a big mess and I had lots of kids and to be able to get curious about it and turn it into a lesson, which I love. I love that the name of your podcast is that because it's, I think there's a Nelson Mandela quote where he says, and I'm going to not be perfectly remembering it, but something about, I never fail. I only learn or grow something like that, where he, yeah. where it's like, I can just take any situation and, and learn and grow. And so these three questions, what worked, what didn't work and what am I going to do differently next time for me helps take that and apply it into real life. And it's been, it's been a really great tool set to be able to take even something as terrible as what I call the baby powder blizzard <laughs> and make it into something that really helped me. It really was the catalyst to help me really look at a different way of parenting to try to figure something else out. So yeah, that's what that's I have to say. Baby powder gate. The baby powder blizzard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's yeah, 2006, I remember. <laughs> I bet you do. 2006, that's what we call it. Oh my gosh. So. And how incredible for you to be able to flip it because you're right. So many people get stuck in that moment and they will remember it forever, not based on what you derived from it and now have applied over and over and over, but it gets brought up at family dinners yeah. and Christmas. And do you remember that time you busted out the baby powder and it yeah. becomes like an embarrassing story forever. And that's not conducive to growth or support <laughs> or love either. So I'm sure it still gets brought up in ways, but not in a way to like make somebody feel wrong. So thank yeah. you for, for bringing that up. And thank you for this awesome. fruitful conversation today. I know so many people are going to find value in it. Thank you, Mary. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. And until next time, you guys, we'll see you on the next episode of What's the Lesson? We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in with us. If you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one of the following ways by sharing this episode with a friend or tagging us on your social media, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review, or by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Geneva for girls and parents in the show notes. This is a place where we exchange ideas, post questions, and provide support to each other. Until next time, you guys, remember, being able to shift our WTF moments and finding the lesson instead saves us time and mental energy. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship. 